the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Ron Geyer Roofing. The Bible describes events that will mark the last days, or end times. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. Matthew 24.44 tells us, Therefore you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect Him. Bible teacher Ron Geyer leads us through Scripture that will help us to remain strong in the Lord. End Time Insights with Bible teacher Ron Geyer starts now. Good evening, family. Ron Geyer, back with more End Time Insights. So we appreciate it. Hopefully you had a good weekend. We're picking up once more on sin, talking about sin for quite a while now. And we feel like we're pastor's assistants. You know, they don't talk about sin, so fine. I could condemn them all day long, but we'll just go ahead and we'll just pick up the slack. Amen. We're talking about pride. I figured that was a good place to start with sin, pride. You know, the Bible says in the last days, men shall be lovers of themselves and Uh, That's pride. That's pride. You know, there's three possibilities. Uh, You've got a throne, the throne of your heart, and there's three possibilities of who can sit on that throne. It's either going to be you, right? It's either going to be Satan or it's going to be Jesus. And we know that Jesus belongs there. He's the creator. He has a right to it. But as free will beings, he lets us make the choice. So I think most of us probably are on our own throne. Yes, there are devils everywhere. And yes, Satan is the prince, the god of this earth right now. And Jesus will take control of it in the millennial reign when he sets up his kingdom on the earth. But for the time being, he lets us choose. And most of us have made wrong choices. So I would encourage you, choose on your heart. Check out who's making decisions for you and through you. And repent as needed and ask Christ to come into your heart. Hallelujah. I'm just going to talk about one verse today. Normally, I'll bring in like 10 or 15 verses. I just love that. But today, I am just going to talk about one verse, and I'm really going to break it down. I'm going to use the Amplified Translation of it. It's James 1, 21 and 22. I'll read it to you in the Amplified. Then we're going to go slow. We're going to take all my time, and we're going to break it down because it's such an important, it's a vital scripture I don't believe we don't teach on it more than we do. I mean, there is some really, really powerful stuff in here. And yet I'm not sure that I heard anybody teach on it in my 42 years of being saved. James chapter 1, verses 21 and 22, Amplified Version. So get rid of all uncleanness and all that remains of wickedness. And with a humble spirit, receive the word of God, which is implanted actually rooted in your heart, which is able to save your souls. Verse 22, but prove yourselves doers of the word, actively and continually obeying God's precepts and not merely listeners who hear the word, but fail to internalize its meaning, deluding yourselves by unsound reasoning contrary to the truth. Father, I thank you that you bless the reading of your word, that you give understanding, you give revelation to those who are hearing it, Father God, through this program in Jesus' name. We may not get to verse 22 today, but it's fine. Uh, No rush. So continuing on our series on sin and specifically on pride, 
this verse has a lot to say. In my opinion, it's probably one of the most important verses in the Bible. So let's open it up. Let's dig in. Let's see what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. Some translations read, as they start this verse, so some say wherefore, some say or therefore. Basically, everything I've said, James is writing, in the first 20 verses will be culminated or has been pointing towards what I want to say in verses 21 and 22. James, in the verse 20 verses, he spoke about trials and testings. He spoke about using our faith to overcome them. And now he's moving on to the purpose of his heart here. Because of the tests that will come your way, he says you must use faith to overcome them, right? Because of the trials you'll encounter, you must find a way past them through faith. But first, here in verse 21, get rid of sin. Let me read it. So get rid of all uncleanness. That that sounds wrong. You'd think it would be all uncleanliness. So I'm going to say uncleanliness. So get rid of all uncleanliness and all that remains of wickedness. So that's his commandment to us. Get rid of all uncleanliness and wickedness, not some. Identify sin in yourself, guys. That's what you got to do. You know, when you go to communion table, the very first thing you're supposed to be doing is examining yourself. Well, as a Christian, we have communion all the time. And I'm not talking about the actual ceremony. I'm talking about my intimacy with God, the communion of the saints, my intimacy with the church, with the believers, with the word of God. And you're constantly examining yourself because sin can't stand in the presence of God. And I think that's a problem that we have in our nation today, that we're sinning people, and yet we're not cleaning people. And I know that at the communion table, people have died. They've been sick because they've accepted and come before the Lord's table in an unworthy manner. Unworthy manner being they still have sin in their lives. So because of the tests that will come your way, you must use faith. Because of the trials, you must get past them through faith. And so as he introduces these verses through that by re, what's the word, by just uh, pointing towards what he had spoken about prior to this, he's getting us clean because what he has to say is of vital importance. Is there still any sin in your life, guys? Get rid of it. Put it away from you. So what he's going to say now, it's probably as important in the Bible as you're going to see. And he says, with a humble spirit, receive the word of God. That is so rich. Don't forget, we came across this verse studying on pride. And anytime you see humility or haughty or you are humble, you know, that's all related to the topic of pride. Mike Andrus, concerning the issue of getting rid of sin, he writes it this way. Get rid of all moral filth and evil. I fear that the principal reason that many Christians do not welcome the Word of God, the reason many Christians do not read the Word of God, the reason many Christians do not study the Word of God, is that their lives are too compromised by moral filth and evil. That from TV, from movies, from the Internet, from unhealthy relationships that they're in, one simply cannot find joy and satisfaction in the Word of God if the Word of God is always speaking conviction to one's lifestyle. It just won't happen, and I love that. I think that's so true. You know, the Holy Spirit, if He brings conviction, the Word of God, it will convict you, it will bless you, it will teach you, it will perfect that which concerns you. Uh, The Word of God, what does it say? I think it's Timothy 3.16. That could be the wrong verse, though, but 
It slips my mind. I knew I should have written down these scriptures. It talks about the Word of God will correct you. It will discipline you. It will exhort you. It will comfort you. And so, as a matter of fact, me, myself, I've long thought that most people who claim to have intellectual problems with the Bible don't have any such intellectual problems. Uh, Andrus writes, they have moral problems with it. If you knew what was going on in their lives, you would realize quickly that their beliefs and their behavior just couldn't coexist. So they jettisoned their beliefs and they continued their behavior. Did you catch that? Their beliefs and and the Word of God, they couldn't be reconciled. The Bible says, uh, don't sin and we sin. So rather than repenting of our sin, we just don't read the Bible and we jettison our biblical beliefs and we live in the behavior that's causing us to miss out on God. You know, James, of course, challenges that, and he says, no, I want you to do the opposite. Get rid of the moral filth here and get rid of the evil and continue to believe the word of truth. But, you know, it can't be both. They won't coexist. It's got to be one or the other. You're living holy and reading the word of God and obeying the word of God, or you have jettisoned those beliefs so that you could live your compromising lifestyle. And, of course, concerning wickedness and evil, pride is at the top of that list, and that's what keeps man from God. Understand, Pride is evil. It's self-adulation. It's idolatry. It's wickedness. It's at the root of witchcraft, man assuming God's position on his own throne. You've heard of blessing blockers, right? Things that keep you from getting blessed of the Lord. Well, pride is much more than a blessing blocker. It's actually a salvation blocker as well. So James begins by telling us to get rid of all that sin, and then he gets to the point of what he wishes to drive home to us here. And that's why I think this verse is so important. With a humble spirit, receive the word of God. And I love that. For years, I could never understand how people could go to church and they could hear the preaching, they could hear the word of God taught and then live lives that contradicted everything that they just learned. That didn't have any resemblance to anything that they were taught. It just boggled my brain that there was such an evident disconnect between what they had learned and how they had lived. But here, that question seems to have been answered and it satisfies me pretty well. They heard the word of God, but they never received the word of God. Why is that? Let me read it. With a humble spirit, receive the word of God. That's a command. That's a truth. With a humble spirit, receive the word of God. Pride. You cannot be proud and receive the word of God. You understand that? With a humble spirit, you receive the word of God. The word of God, you receive it intellectually. It goes into your mind. And then it's supposed to like an esophagus. Food travels down the esophagus. Well, the word of God goes from your mind into your spirit, into your heart. And yet, if you are proud, it never gets out of your mind because the proud heart will not receive it. You must have a humble spirit receive the word of God. The condition to receiving the word of God is humble spirit. You must When you go to church to hear the preacher, you must bring with you a humble spirit. When you open the Bible to read it in the morning, you must bring with you a humble spirit. This is where our lesson on pride comes in. So many of us have prideful hearts in Christianity that it keeps us from receiving the Word of God. And that answers my question. How can people sit in church, read their Bibles, hear the preacher, and still go on living a lifestyle that doesn't honor God? It's because they don't have humility where they can receive the Word of God. You can have the Word of God taught you all day long, but without humility, you're not going to receive it. You must receive the Word of God. 
I forget who wrote this, but this is pretty good. No one can, oh, here it is right here. The Greek word for humble is proutes, P-R-A-U-T-E-S, and commentator Barclay has some great stuff here. There's really no one English word to translate proutus into a one-word summary. Basically, it means teachable spirit. The teachable spirit, it is docile, it is tractable, and therefore humble enough to learn. The teachable spirit is without resentment and without anger and is therefore able to face the truth even when that truth hurts and condemns. The teachable spirit is not blinded by its own overmastering prejudices, but the teachable spirit is clear-eyed to the truth. The teachable spirit is not seduced by laziness, but is so self-controlled that it can willingly and faithfully accept the discipline of learning. Proutus, humility, describes the perfect conquest and control of everything in a man's nature, which would be a hindrance to his seeing, learning, and obeying the word of truth. I just love that. If you don't have a humble heart or a teachable spirit, you will never receive the truths that are found in God's word. You will never get revelation that the Holy Spirit has for you. Pride is the key hindrance to that process. And a humble spirit is the key to revelation knowledge. Very important you understand that. We're talking about receiving the word of God. You must have a humble spirit. And this is found in uh, Precept Austin. I don't know who wrote it. We must receive the word of God with meekness. We must be as a child before God our Father. That is, we must sit before him meekly, just as a child does before his father. The idea is that we must be humble, we must be gentle, quiet, and attentive in listening to the Word of God when it's presented or when it's read. We must sit and listen with an open, humble heart, ready to hear exactly what God is saying. The person who sits before God like this discovers the most wonderful thing, and this is beautiful here. Note the word engrafted. Now, the King James says, receive the engrafted Word of God. The person who sits before God like this discovers a wonderful thing. It's that the word engrafted, and it means to implant, to be born within. When a person listens to and hears the word of God, it is planted within his heart and his life. What God says is actually born within his heart. I love that. That's where the phrase born again comes from, right? What God says is actually born within his heart, and the man hears exactly what God is saying. The word of God is born within his heart and life, and the person's soul is saved. Now you know why I say this is such an important verse. He conquers and triumphs over all temptation, including the terrible temptation of rejecting God. And look how this verse is written. First, James tells us, give it of all sin, including all and most assuredly, including pride. And then after he tells you, get rid of all that, then comes the word, proutest, the word humility. Then on the other side of that, at the end, salvation, the receiving of our new selves from God the Father. They put the word humility in between getting rid of the sin and receiving salvation because it's the transition from sinner to saint. Receiving the word of God with a humble heart is the bridge that allows one to cross from death into life. Did you follow that? God doesn't make bad people good. He makes dead people alive. Receiving the word of God, the engrafted word, which is actually planted into your spirit, into your soul, then you receive the word of God and you get life. I love it. 
receive the word of God, which is implanted. In other words, actually, it's rooted in your heart. Once your humble spirit allows you to receive the word of God, look what happens. It actually becomes planted like a tree. It kind of like burrows down and starts rooting within your heart. Why? Because the word of God plans are becoming a permanent fixture in one's heart. I love it. It's eternal. It's not leaving. It's not going anywhere. The word of God, it's actually you being born again by the birthing of the word of God in your soul. It's the actual process of the new birth in one's life. God promises to order it if you will keep your heart. Because out of it are the issues of life. Let's go back to pride. A proud heart, this doesn't happen in a proud heart. It doesn't allow it to happen. We can listen to the word all day. We can go to church and hear sermons every day of the week. But pride shuts out the word. It never gets planted. Pride is a serious, serious problem in the church. It must be addressed. It must be called out. It must be challenged. And it must be confronted. It must be faced. And it must be defeated or we will miss out on the pleasure and the privilege of the word living inside us. You know, John talks about, uh, Jesus said, let my word live in you. And if you live in my word and my word lives in you, you will ask what you will and I will do it for you. You need to let the word be alive in you. And look at the promise that the word to us brings, which is able to save your souls. Wow. Let me read that in context here so you don't get lost. James one twenty one. So get rid of all uncleanliness and all that remains of wickedness and with a humble spirit receive the word of God which is implanted, actually rooted in your heart which is able to save your souls. Pride, that would cause us to miss out on that. Look at the process of connection as James writes it. First, get rid of sin, repent, become humbled, hearted before God, clean up your act, depart from a wicked lifestyle, and then sit under the ministry of the word, read the word, allow the word to take charge in your life. Then as you obey God's word, as it's planted and grows, as God waters it, watch as the ability to save your soul takes root. I I think this is so good. Commentator Andrews talking about that. The benefit accepting the word is it can save you. Humbly accept the word planted in you. Truth be told, there's no other way to accept it other than humbly. It's a life or death issue. That's right, folks. This is me. It's a serious issue, this humbly receiving the word of God. It is life or death. I mean, this is your eternal soul we're talking about. We don't accent that enough when we're preaching. Okay, sorry. Back to Andrus. (laughs) The word of God is his instrument of salvation. Ultimately, the living word, Jesus Christ. But he can't be separated from the written word because that's how we know him, through the written word. First Peter one twenty three says, You have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed through the living and enduring word of God. James is simply saying that a true acceptance and welcoming of God's word must be accompanied by a listening ear, a controlled mouth, a calm spirit, and a clean, humbled heart. I'm going to read that again. James is simply saying here in this verse that a true acceptance and welcoming of God's word must be accompanied by a listening ear, a controlled mouth, a calm spirit, and a clean heart. And if these things are not observable in our lives, that is evidence that we have not humbly accepted the word of God, and we may not even be saved. 
I mean, that's some strong stuff here. You know, I love this verse. I'm going to be focusing on this verse for quite a while because of the depth of its importance. It talks about salvation. It talks about how to receive the word of God. So many of us don't receive the word of God. We're not receiving the word of God. We're reading it, but we're not receiving. I was talking to a friend about a friend the other day, and I said, I don't think this person heard a word I said. And I spoke for an hour and a half. <laughs> and I, <laughs> and I, I'm thinking, I don't think they get it because uh, we teach them this. And then next thing you know, you're hearing stories about what's happening in their lives. And they're, weren't they here the other day? I broke these down. I go, slow, I'm simple. I go, didn't they understand what we were talking about? We always allow people to ask questions if you don't understand anything. But it's because... Their hearts aren't right. Their hearts have been hardened by pride, and they cannot receive that word of God. Now, I know many of you guys today, you know, you struggle between hearing and reading the word of God and doing the word of God. It's a difficult place. It's a terrible place to be in. I get it. You get caught in that place, and you get stuck. I had friends who got saved, truly, born again. I know they were. They struggled with sin for years after their conversion. I don't know the hearts of men. That's uh, that's God's. I, I don't know that. You know, I the, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so I can make a pretty good guess where you are. But, you know, the Bible says that God says the hearts of mankind are continually wicked. That's why uh, the flood came. But each of us is different. But, you know, I'd like to help you guys today. That's why we teach a message like this. If you're struggling in any area, you know, if you're a Christian, uh, if you've accepted Christ, you know, I'd like to go to bat for you. I'd like to lift you up in prayer, and I'd like to give you some insight, maybe get you pointed back in the right direction. I'd love to help you today. If you're struggling, it's not really okay. We are going to struggle, but you don't stay in the struggle. You're supposed to overcome. Remember, it's the overcomers that are getting into heaven. It's the overcomers that are going to experience victory in life. Hallelujah. And God set up the kingdom. God gave life to the word that we could overcome sin. Amen. And I just want you to know it's fixable. Whatever your problem is, I don't care if it's pornography. I don't care if it's adultery. I don't care if it's pride. You know, I don't care if it's, if you're lying, if you're stealing, if you're murdering. I, I do care, but I mean, but I'd love to be able to point you to Christ who has the answers to your problems. If, if you're Trapped in the same sin day after day after day, thinking I'm never going to get rid of it. You can. You can. But what I want to do today, I want to make sure that there's nothing blocking the Word of God getting into your spirit. And I would say most of us, the problem is self. The problem is pride. We are our own idols. The Bible talks about mankind. We would exalt the creation, us, over the Creator, God. We've done that. That's idolatry. That's the love of self. And that doesn't belong in the heart of the Christian. You know, if there's one sin that Christians should be aware of that really shouldn't even be named amongst us, it's got to be pride. You know, you can't come before God in a proud heart. I mean, the whole idea of Christianity is he's God and you're not. He's a creator and you're just a creation. You owe him everything you are. He didn't have to make you. You know, we were in Bible study the other day and we were talking about the fact that Pride, it compares man to mankind. We're competing with mankind, and we look down on other people. And, you know, we don't bother comparing ourselves to people that may have more stature than us, but we do definitely look down on those people that we think we're better than. Well, try this. Compare yourself to God. Where does that leave you, right? (laughs) You compare yourself to the Word of God, to the light of God's Word, you know you're going to come out second. 
But anyway, I do want to pray for you. I do want to encourage you that God is able to deliver you from your sin. The Bible says in Colossians that we have already been delivered from the kingdom of darkness and translated into the kingdom of his dear son. So, Lord God, I lift up those that are listening today. They're listening, Father God. That shows that their hearts are hungry. That shows that their hearts are right. Some of them may be battling sin the same sin for weeks, months, decades even, who knows. But Lord God, I apply the blood of Jesus over them. Lord God, I lift them up to you, Father God. I break those spirits, Father God, that would hold them captive. The devil goes about the earth as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Father God, I confess and I believe and I ask, Father God, that he may not devour. You have to give him permission. He may not devour my brothers and sisters that are struggling with sin, Father God. I ask that you cleanse them and wash them. Encourage them, Father God. Be near to them. Let them know, Father God, that you who have begun a good work in them will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. You not only got them started, you're not only the author of their faith, but you are the finisher of their faith also, Father God. Lord, keep them as the apple of your eye. Protect them. Guard them, Father God, I confess that their names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for joining us for End Time Insights with Ron Geyer. Listen again next Sunday night at 8 on 100.7 The Word, where faith comes by hearing. You can also listen to the podcast of this program by going to kkht.com. If you would like to contact Ron, email him at gospelguy at comcast.net. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.